Welcome to the teaching podcast for Eubank Baptist Church. We are all about knowing more about Jesus and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on our campus on Sunday mornings at 8.30 or 10.45 and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place that you can listen to any teachings that you might have missed from our Sunday morning worship experiences. To stay connected, you can check out our website at www.eubankbaptist.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eubank Baptist Church and Instagram at Eubank underscore BC. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and let's keep pursuing Jesus together. Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, I've got to I've got to get my obligatory in. Uh, Halloween is over, so Merry Christmas. Uh, my tree is already up. I'm not ashamed of that, and I know many of you think differently than I do, and that's okay. We can still break bread together. Amen. Uh, <laughs> it was A.W. Tozer who said, Many Christians are satisfied with their destination, uh, but they neglect their journey. Whew. That stung a little bit this week, church, because, you know, I got to think about it. We love when Paul says to die is gain, but to live is Christ. Are we embodying that? Are we thinking through what that means uh, in our Christian walk? Today we find ourselves in uh, a different parable than I planned. In fact, I don't know that I have preached a single parable that I had planned on preaching when I wrote out this series. And so uh, I had planned on uh, preaching a hellfire and brimstone sermon this morning. And so uh, through as I've been reading through the other parables of Jesus, I was just led to this one and decided I would preach a hellfire and brimstone sermon out of it. And so, uh, which, which you know me, I'm not, uh, I don't know. Uh, but today, we find ourselves in the midst of what are known as the Thy Kingdom parables. Well, as we come into Jesus' teaching about uh, a man who sows these seeds in these weird places, the, the four soils, and the man who throws good wheat only for the enemy to come in and ruin his field. And Jesus talks about this little mustard seed and how people could have faith so small that it could grow into be the largest uh, of gardens. And he teaches about a man who buries his treasure in a field. He goes and buys the field because everything that is contained within that field is his. And he tells this, uh, this story about some good fish and, and some bad fish. Uh, all of these show a theme, and that is the kingdom of God. And so as we're in the midst of, of these uh, kingdom of God parables, thy kingdom uh, parables, we're going to examine today a question that I think plagues uh, a lot of people. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to begin reading in verse 24. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. If you found it and you're able to, would you stand with me as we read God's Word this morning? Matthew chapter 13, we're going to read 24 through 30, and then we're going to skip to 36 and read through 43, and you'll see why in just a minute. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, he says, he put in a parable, another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sows good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among, uh, among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and they bore grain, the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, The enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? 
He said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let us both grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Skip with me to verse 36. He left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, explain this parable to us of the weeds and field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom, and the weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin, all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace in the place that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Father God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you, Father, for... Uh, all that you've promised us, God, I promise uh, right now, God, would you take me? Would you hide me behind the cross? Lord, would you just be with us this morning? God, would you let us see uh, what, we ha- what you have for us today? Lord, as we bring in our own burdens, as we bring in the things, Lord, maybe our tummies are rumbling because right now it's an hour later than it should be. Lord, right now, would you just allow us to focus on you for just a little bit? Lord, would you just reveal to us your will, your uh, wisdom out of this parable, Lord? And God, would you just... Challenge us that we may be found among the wheat. God, we love you and we thank you. We probably sing to your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What do you do when there's too much evil to believe in something? There's a writer, Albert Camus, who was a prominent atheist writer and philosopher in the mid-1900s. And Albert was raised in a very stern, legalistic household. He was drugged to church every Sunday and had religion instilled in his head from an early age. Uh, as he would grow older, so he would, in, his, in his young adult years, he would see World War II break out in its fervency. And in the midst of uh, all of this, he began to see the evil and carnage, and he began to have a problem accepting a God that would allow all of this evil to happen. Well, as he grew older, he developed tubercul- uh, 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 tuberculosis, which almost took his life. And by 1951, he published a collection of essays in a book called The Rebel, where he denounced religion and Christianity by saying, it is a weak project conducted by weak minds that are looking only for solace. Albert could not deal with the fact that evil uh, existed, and if, if evil existed, the so-called God could not allow it. By the late 1950s, he would meet a uh, pastor by the name of Howard Muma, and this pastor and him would spend a lot of times, and he, the pastor would say he would ask daunting questions, uh, daunting and, and, and uh, uh, irregular odd questions. He gave Albert a Bible, and he began to read it, and one day, uh, he asked the pastor if he would perform baptism. And so the pastor began to talk about baptism as an expression of salvation. Albert denounced the concept of salvation, and Howard rejected to baptize him without salvation. Albert would die in a car accident that week, and we don't know if Albert ever made a decision for Jesus. But what we do know is that his view of evil stopped him for many years of trusting in the Lord. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you've come in today and you can't fully trust God because there's so much evil that exists in this world. 
we begin, we talk about the incomparable, the unequal, the inscrutable, the omniscient, the eternal, the gracious, the immutable, the omnipresent, the incomprehensible Father God who exists. And we have a hard time understanding why he makes the decisions that he does. Read with me in verse 24 as we study this parable. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now already if we just ended, this is a great parable. God the good father comes in. He sows his seed in the world. He comes. He puts his people where he wants them. He was perfect. Everything ends. It would be a great story. Just like the garden. God created it. It was perfect. Everything would have been perfect. But watch What happens in verse 25? But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came, and he sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared also. While they were asleep, the enemy came and he planted weeds. And we're told that they were such that they rose up and you really couldn't distinguish the two from each other. In verse 27, he continues, and he says, The servants of the master came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, The enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He says, no, because the enemy has done this. And so the servants ask a great question. Should we go and should we uh, uh, root the, should we weed the field? It's a, it's a good question. And he says, no. Imagine having to look at each stalk so closely to determine what it is. In fact, the Greek word that he uses for, uh, for weeds here is the, uh, the Greek word uh, zinzanion, and it means the Greek word for a particular weed uh, that we have that grew in the region called darnel. Darnel looked a lot like wheat. Darnel uh, had little poisonous black seeds that would come in, and it was so often mis- misassociated with wheat that it became a problem in the Middle Ages because when people would eat the wheat, they would poison themselves unknowingly by eating darnel instead of wheat. And so this wasn't an easy task because until maturity, the two look exactly the same. Until the the plant reaches maturity, they look exactly the same. It's so hard to tell the difference. And so the master says, no, because in the midst of you weeding this, you could uproot the good wheat. You could uproot everything. The roots of the weed would have tangled with the good wheat and you would risk losing everything. And he says that we are to gather the weeds, we are to to burn the wheat and gather them into the barn. Now, Matthew tells us that the great multitude is pushing in on Jesus, listening to his teachings, listening to what this teacher has to say. And this is what we get. Skip with me to verse 36. Because as he left him, as he left the crowds, he went into the house. His disciples came to him saying, Jesus, what was this? Explain to us the parable of the weeds and the fields. Jesus, what was this parable? What was this about? We, we're, listen, we have sat under your teaching. We have listened to your parables. We know these things. But Jesus, whoo. What was this about? 
And maybe that's us this morning. Maybe we're looking at this and we're like, Jesus, what was this about? You know, I can only imagine the conversations that, that happen because, you know, my mind is funny. I will admit my mind does funny things when I read the Bible sometimes. I can imagine the conversations between these men as they're listening to the Jesus, as they're pushing in on Jesus, and they're listening. And Jesus tells this parable, and he moves on to tell another parable, and they have to be sitting there being like, Jimmy, we have sat under this teacher. Man, these teachers, all they do is tell stories nowadays. But what on earth was that one? Jimmy, did you get that? And maybe Jimmy's sitting there and be like, yeah, I did. You know, he's talking about we should not anger people. We should not make enemies because if you make enemies, they're going to sow weed in your field and it's going to ruin your harvest. And maybe, maybe the other guy's sitting there and be like, no, I, th- I, think, I think maybe he just misunderstood. Maybe he thinks he's at a farming convention and he's just trying to give us some practical wisdom on how to, how, how to, how to harvest properly. So much so that don't miss this. The disciples don't even know what he's talking about. The disciples who have lived their lives with him, who have been in ministry with him, who have heard him teach after teach after teach, and comes to him and says, Jesus, <laughs> you're going to have to explain this one. We, we didn't get this. And we come to this, and he says this in, in verse 37. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of of the evil one. What I love is that they come to Jesus and ask him, Jesus, what was the meaning of this? What, what was the point of this? Jesus begins to explain this. He says, the, sow, the sower of the seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The, the seed of the kingdom, the sons of the kingdom, the weed are the sons of evil. You see, the thing is, is Jesus lays out, first thing, is that he's the main character. He says, I'm the sower. He is the, the, the sower of this. Jesus is the main character. And maybe you're here today. What you need to understand more than anything else is as you're working on your own biopic, as you're working on your own life, Jesus is the main character of that story too. And Jesus comes and he defines these two separate seeds. He says these seeds exist together. There's a good, there's a good seed and a bad seed together. I don't think I need to explain to you that evil exists in the world. I don't think we need to set up a doctoral defense council and I need to defend the argument that evil exists in this world. We don't have to look very far. In fact, if you've got a little cellular device in your pocket, odds are that within the first 10 things you see, there is sin. And the first 10 things you see when you pull out your phone is usually sin. Someone killed somebody, somebody shot somebody, somebody raped somebody, somebody did something. It's terrible. We don't have to look very far or advocate that evil exists in this world. And maybe you've gotten caught up in this, this, this question. Well, Pastor, I just don't understand. Why does a God, why does an almighty God allow this evil to exist? Why, in God's infinite power, we call him the God of infinite power. Why, then, does he allow it to exist First thing I need you to see this morning is this. Because of God's grace towards us, evil continues to exist in this world. Because of God's grace towards us, evil continues to exist in this world. We serve an all-powerful God that at a mutterance of a letter, at a mutterance of a sound, 
could wipe evil from existence. Could absolutely wipe evil completely from existence. And so the question that often gets followed is, well, pastor, then why doesn't he do that? Because first off, he would have to start with your pastor. He would have to start with your deacons. He would have to start with us and wipe us from existence. Look here in verse 39. He says, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. The enemy that sown them was the devil, just like the garden. It hasn't changed. The devil is continuing and been busy sowing weeds into this world. His goal is to overthrow God's kingdom using his people. And it's hard for me when I read passages like this not to uh, look at the field and, and try to place the church in it. Because we see so many people that, that, that have been deceived by the enemy that live in our churches as the weeds and they spread dissension, they spread chaos, they spread divisiveness. Because their master is not King Jesus. But don't miss this. Satan's sabotage can never overthrow God's kingdom. Satan's sabotage can never overthrow God's kingdom. But we can't read it as the church because he says it's the world. There are people in the church. The church exists in the world. But he says that it's the world. He says that harvest is coming to the end of the age. Verse 40, just as weeds are gathered to be burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all the causes of sin, all the lawbreakers, and he will throw them into the fiery furnace in the place that there will be the weeping and gnashing of teeth. So here's the reality. The weeds are allowed to grow alongside of God's people because of God's Grace. Evil exists alongside God's people because of God's grace. Listen, the message of Jesus wasn't picked out of random. He says, repent. Listen, if, if, if God erased evil from the world, there would be no need for repentance. There would be no need for that. There would have been no need for Jesus. Because evil would have been completely wiped out humanity. But there is coming a day. And we need to rejoice. Jesus is coming back. We rejoice, and we rejoice rightly so. In that day, we will be harvested from pain. We will be harvested from suffering. We will be harvested from this moral body that's back hurts, that sneeze hurts, that wakes up, it can't talk. It will be harvested away, and we will be placed in our immortal body. So the answer insists upon itself, then why then not now? And why not now? Why didn't God just do it right now? Man, we've seen the signs. We know all the things that are happening. Pastor, why doesn't God do it now? I have a feeling that most of us in here are wheat. We're wheat. We're already, we've already proclaimed King Jesus as Savior. We are wheat. But can I be honest, there are still weeds among us. Why doesn't God do it now? You see, the problem is we've got a pesky little verse in the Bible. In 2 Peter 3, 9, 
It says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness. But is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That all should come to repentance. God is not slow in his promises. That's the second thing I need you to see this morning. God is not slow in your promises. He's not, he is not slow as we would think slow. The problem is, as we talked about last week, man, it's not on our time. Y'all need to be very thankful that it is not on your pastor's time because I would have screwed it up. I would have messed it all up. But God is not slow in his promises. There was a book that came out in 1900 by apocalyptic Christian author Pat Robinson. And he was the, the, the defining point of the book was to show that April 29, 2007 was the date of the second coming of Jesus. April 29, 2007 was the definite date. It was no contrastion. There was no but, uh, if ands, or buts. April 29, 2007 was going to be the date that Jesus returned. I went and found my diary, which is a terrible place to be. And I came across some of my old writings at this time, and there was a, a, a new song that my band had, had debuted right around this time. It was either April or May. And I want to read you these lyrics. I've been in the shadows. I've been wandering alone. I've lost my faith. This heart has turned to stone. God's silence echoes in this empty room, but I'll embrace this pain for my soul is doomed. God, you have abandoned me. You've left me to die. But in this suffering, I have learned to fight. I'll dance with these demons in the dead of night. I'll embrace my pain. I'll find my own light. God is not slow in his promises. Because can I tell you, April 29th, 2007, I was very far from the Lord. It would have been a scant four months later that I found God, the real God. You see, Second Peter, God desired that none should perish. It is because of God's grace uh, in his relenting judgment that I was given a chance to be found among the wheat. Can I tell you, church, that the reason that God has not come yet is that there are still some weeds that need to become wheat. There are still people who are absolutely convinced that they are, are destined for hell, that they have no hope, that need to hear about the hope of Jesus. But church, there's a stern warning in here because Jesus tells us there is a day when even in God's patience, even in God's longstanding, even in that, God will say enough is enough. And though I should desire that no man should perish, they have had their chance. And this is where we find ourselves in the final verse. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears let them hear. We are given the outcome of these two very different people. Those who are found among the weeds, they come and they are bundled up. They are brought and they are bundled up and they are cast into the fiery furnace where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place that is eternal separation. A place that is of eternal darkness. A place that is of eternal hopelessness. But the wheat 
was gathered into his barn, into his kingdom. Last thing I want to ask us this morning, church, are we among the weeds or the wheat? Christ will send his angels to gather his kingdom together to separate these weeds. We must figure out, are we weeds or are we wheat? You see, darnel produces this poisonous, sour fruit. It makes you vomit. It causes severe indigestion, intestinal issues. It causes all kinds of issues. And if you continue to, to, to take it, it becomes fatal. The hardest thing is that it was, it was filling. Man, in the Middle Ages, when you had nothing else, it was filling. You had to choose, do you want to be full or dead? Sometimes you got both. Can I tell you today that Satan has sowed weeds into our lives? We are surrounded by them. We are constantly surrounded by the weeds that are, that are coming to us. And they look like fruit. Man, they smell like fruit. They, they look good. They, they taste good. They smell good. They may even fill you up, but they make you sick. You see, just like Matthew 4, Jesus or Satan, Satan takes you to the mountaintops and he shows you everything. He tells you that, that you will not lose. You will gain in abundance. You will not suffer. You will uh, prosper in abundance. And it will make you full. He will lie to you and tell you, man, it's just a little bit. Man, it's just a little bit of Darnell. It's just a little bit of adultery. Man, it's just a little bit of pornography. Man, it's just a, a little bit of felony tax evasion. Man, it's just a little bit of drugs. Man, it's just a little bit. But just like Darnell, what ends up happening is you're left with the consequences of each. And you're left sick to yourself over the sin that is in your life. And maybe it does cause you vomiting. Maybe it causes you indigestion. Maybe it causes you uh, intestinal issues. Whatever it may be, you're left with the weeds that are in your life. But can I tell you today what the miraculous thing is? Is Jesus is the miraculous gardener who somehow manages to change weeds to wheat. I've done a little farming, not a whole lot, but I can tell you one thing. I have never planted an apple tree and just waited for a banana tree to sprout. I have never walked up to a weed and wished it was a flower and boom, it became one. But Jesus is the one who takes the weeds, takes the poison, takes all of this and makes it righteous. Something that can be consumed that is righteous in God's sight. And I pray today that I'm surrounded by a ton of weed. But the realization is, church, I believe there are those who are still weeds. Man, they think they're wheat. Man, they, got, they grew up, they, raised, they were raised up in church. They were raised up, they're surrounded by the wheat. They just smell like it. They think they're them, but they still have the poisonous in them. And they reject what the sower offers and they find themselves in this fiery furnace but can i tell you today that if you are faithful to cry out to the sower the one who sows good weed if you are faithful to cry out to king jesus he will transform you from weeds to wheat 
Why does evil exist in this world? Because of God's grace. Today, you don't have to be weeds. You don't have to remain weeds. Today, you have the sower who has infinitely greater, who came into, out of eternity, into humanity, lived a sinless life, went to the cross to pay a debt that I owe, that you owe, that poison was taken out of existence to give you a purpose and a plan that was lived through him, through eternal life. But it comes through him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a weed. You've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus before. Man, I want to encourage you. Man, the Savior that is so much greater than anything the weeds can offer you wants you. He loves you so much that he stepped out of that eternity, that he took that punishment, that he hung on the cross for you, for me, for all of us wheat here that have come to him before. If you've never trusted in Jesus, today could be the day. Here in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And there's nothing special about this time, but it is an opportunity for you to respond to however God has moved. Pastor Aaron and I will be down front, and we want to talk to you. If you're just looking for what that means, maybe you're here today, and you're already wheat. Man, but as you look around, you've got a ton of weeds around you. And those weeds are trying to encroach upon you. And maybe you just need to come to this altar and say, God, man, I need a weed eater in my life. God, I need you to just clean up some things. Man, maybe that bobber is still in your pocket. Maybe God has just put that, that, that desire in you. Maybe this altar just needs to be full of you praying for those people. Maybe God's called you to ministry. Maybe God has done something in your life. He set you apart for something. Maybe it's ministry. Maybe it's missions, whatever it may be. Maybe God's called you to a church home. And we'd love to have you here. But I can tell you one thing. We're not looking for just butts to fill a seat. We're looking for people who want to serve the kingdom of God. Or maybe you just need to come to this altar. And whatever baggage you've been carrying around this week, you need to just leave it here. This, this time of invitation is for you to move however you would. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you, Father, for who you are and all that you do. And God, I just pray that, Father, you would challenge us. Lord, would you just, in this time, speak to those. Maybe there's one here that's never trusted in you before. Lord, would you give them boldness? Maybe there's one here today that, God, they've been carrying around baggage for weeks. And God, they need to just leave it. Lord, maybe their personal life is in crisis. God, maybe they feel like their marriage is falling apart. God, maybe they feel like their friends are, 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 are leaving them. God, whatever it may be. Lord, you tell us that your yoke is light. And God, I pray that today maybe somebody experienced that. Lord, maybe there's one here that needs to come to, and accept you as Savior. Lord, would you just move? God, today, would you challenge us to be wheat? God, would you challenge us to grow strong? God, would you challenge us that we would be found in you in the, in the, in the end days? Lord, in this time, God, would you just speak? 
And would you make us faithful to listen? Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.